Welcome to Full Disclosure with the Better Government Association here on the WMAY Morning News Feed. Each week we check in with David Grising, President and CEO of the BGA, for the latest in what's happening in state government and how it might be impacting you. David, welcome back to the program. Great to have you. Good to be with you. Thanks. Well, we wanted to start with the fact that we will be seeing lawmakers back in Springfield next week. House and Senate calling a special session to deal specifically with redistricting. And uh, we uh, thought that, well, we we have maps in place. Uh, They were passed back at the end of May, but those maps will not be the maps because, of course, now we have official census data, which is forcing Democrats to scramble to redo those maps as they try to fend off legal challenges here and uh, David the big question is can they uh, get this all together uh, and have all the required hearings and do everything they've got to do in now six days and uh, stop this from being taken out of their hands and put into the hands of either an independent panel or just left in the hands of the courts well uh, the answer is a qualified yes I mean there's no doubt that the process part of it the Democrats will be able to take care of. We've seen them move pretty quickly on mapping in the past and to go through the motions of public hearings when, in fact, they knew where they wanted to put the lines anyhow. They needed to adjust the lines now because of uh, the census data coming in and being different than the American Community Survey data that had been used previously. Republicans are challenging the new uh, the maps based on uh, the fact that they ex- the differential between di- districts exceeds the 10% population differential that the Supreme Court has said, the U.S. Supreme Court has set as the standard. The thing is that they that the um, process will move forward now. There was a court ruling yesterday uh, that is allowing this process in the legislature uh, to move forward now, but still subject to challenge uh, by the by the Republicans or by groups such as, say, uh, Hispanic groups who believe that uh, they have been underrepresented in the the maps that have been drawn so far. So even though it looks as if there will be a map voted on, uh, possibly uh, on the 31st, uh, there still will be court challenges, and the map may not be um, the final one. Uh, The good thing is that the, the U.S. District Judge, Robert Dow, is aware of the fact that we need to, we have some elections coming, and he's saying any sort of challenge will be handled urgently so that voters and politicians can know what the official maps are going to be. Uh, nobody uh, ever said that making the sausage was pretty. This is the evidence of that. It is interesting to note that uh, they're having to now apply this official census data, which uh, maybe surprised some people in showing there were actually population increases over the past decade in Chicago and Cook County. We've been hearing for years about this exodus from Chicago, but in fact, the region picked up population. Downstate did not, uh, and that will obviously impact uh, how some of these districts are structured and laid out uh, as well. Uh, but again, we are expecting uh, the uh, legislature to reconvene next Tuesday. Nobody has seen any revised maps yet. It is it is not a pretty process, David. No, it, it is not a pretty process, and too much of it has happened behind closed doors. Even though there have been public meetings, those, again, have been pretty perfunctory. The real work is happening, as always seems to happen in Illinois, uh, in smoke-filled rooms, although I guess nobody's smoking very much anymore. Uh, the thing is, we have, we're have we talking about the state legislature maps. We also have congressional maps that will need to be drawn, and that's going to have a big impact uh, statewide, uh, especially uh, the, you know, people are really keeping their eye on 
uh, Rod Davis's district in the southern part of the state because there's an expectation his he may be drawn out of his seat, and that has implications in terms of uh, the, the governor's race. Um, and there are also questions about Adam Kinzinger and his future and what, what, what his district will look like. Will his district disappear? And then what happens to Adam Kinzinger? So there, uh, besides what's happening on the state legislative level, uh, the congressional maps will be uh, just as interesting and have big implications for state government and politics going forward. No question. It's uh, fascinating, just as an aside, that we have a former aide to Governor Pritzker who announced this week that she is running in the 13th congressional district to challenge Rodney Davis, except we don't know where the 13th district is going to be, and we don't know if Rodney Davis will still be in it once the maps are finally drawn. Uh, but I guess those are minor details when you decided to make a, a run for Congress. We're talking with David Grising, <laughs> president and CEO of the Better Government Association. It is full disclosure here on the WMAY Morning News Feed. And, and David, one more quick uh, footnote to the discussion on the, the maps. Lawmakers scheduled to return next week, but interestingly enough, uh, both the Democratic and Republican leaders in the Illinois Senate uh, have been uh, confirmed with breakthrough cases of COVID. Now, I don't know exactly when any quarantine they are under will be up, but that's just, uh, again, a, another interesting wrinkle as we continue to be in the pandemic. And we want to bring lawmakers back together again. You have all of those complications to deal with, of both confirmed and potential uh, exposures. Uh, Dan McConkie, the Senate Republican leader, uh, announced his breakthrough diagnosis, confirmed positive with COVID, a day after he was in both indoor and outdoor gatherings with other uh, uh, Republican leaders and candidates and party faithful during events last week from the uh, from the Illinois State Fair. Well, absolutely. And what this tells us is that the virus doesn't really pay attention to uh, whom it goes after. And you're right, it does raise complications in terms of how to meet the one one advantage we have, I guess, is that we after last year, we now have uh, options available other than face to face meetings. And so a fair amount of the state's business, probably the legislature's business uh, can probably get done. Um, we don't yet know what the course of the disease would be with any of the uh, legislative leaders that uh, uh, have contracted COVID. But certainly, as you point out, especially Don Harmon, the president of the Senate, um, uh, you know, that's a pretty key position. And uh, so far, uh, his condition has been downplayed. And what we know about the breakthrough virus is that, yes, people get sick, but it's not the horrific type of uh, illness that we've seen with the first round of COVID. Uh, there will be a need to quarantine, no doubt, uh, but uh, perhaps he, uh, Donna Harmon and, and Dan McConkie will be functional, even though they might be uh, separated physically from their colleagues uh, in the legislature. While uh, we're on the, the subject of those uh, political leaders, uh, as we mentioned last week, the Illinois State Fair, the big political day is Governor's Day on Wednesday with Democrats convening and Republican Day on Thursday. Uh, we did not have full disclosure last week amidst everything that was going on. But uh, uh, just to uh, to recap briefly, no major surprises in what we heard. Uh, Democrats going in feeling like they're uh, uh, pretty confident uh, in J.B. Pritzker's chances and Tammy Duckworth's chances. Uh, Republicans determined to, quote, fire Pritzker. That was their their big sign back there. I don't think we really heard anything we weren't expecting to hear last week, although there was a little bit of behind-the-scenes drama. Right. And, and first of all, Jim, I missed you last week, and uh, um, it, it was a hard to, to do that. But, of course, the fair is so important that, that you and I were both willing to stand down on our 
the regular Wednesday morning chat. But um, but yeah, there was some behind the scenes drama. Um, there is some tension, it seems, in the Democratic Party over leadership that perhaps some festering hard feelings over uh, Robin Kelly becoming the chair, even though Governor Pritzker had backed the Chicago alderman, Michelle Harris. Um, that's being manifested both in terms of uh, kind of no-shows at the Democratic uh, County Chair's uh, brunch that Governor Pritzker uh, uh, didn't make it, and then also with regard to the Democratic Party's uh, Building Leadership Unity and Equity Committee, their basically campaign fund, where you have uh, uh, Chris Welch, the, the speaker, and Don Harmon, the Senate president, uh, turned down positions on the board of that fund. So there's a little bit of uh, kind of disharmony roiling there um, among the Democrats. And of course, as you said, the Republicans are all focused on firing Pritzker, uh, but um, uh, we don't yet know who the Republican—leading— re we know some, of, some names have emerged. We don't know who the Republican candidates might be. but. Um, you know, there are Republicans who missed the chance to make a big splash at the state fair, um, uh, you know, such as uh, we would have expected more maybe from Darren Bailey um, than than we saw. And uh, uh, it's, uh, you know, it the season is starting. The election campaign is, is just about to uh, really begin heating up, and it'll be interesting to see all the jockeying that happens in the months ahead. No question about it. We've got much more to talk about this morning, an update in the ongoing federal corruption probe that uh, has uh, infiltrated well into the uh, upper reaches of the Illinois General Assembly. We'll get an update on that. We'll also uh, let you know about the uh, latest What the Gov feature on the BGA website dealing with ongoing problems in the Illinois Attorney General's office. So that's still to come this morning on full disclosure with the Better Government Association. It, it had seemed like it had been a while since we'd heard much about the federal investigation involving Commonwealth Edison and a whole lot of Mike Madigan insiders and maybe Madigan himself. But there are new court filings this week to give us an update on where this investigation stands, where it might be headed. Davis, bring us up to speed. Well, very fascinating uh, filing, especially by the U.S. Attorney's Office with regard to uh, the defense claims uh, the defense of Michael McLean, and Promise Yori, the former chief executive of Commonwealth Edison, John Hooker, a former ComEd employee, and Jay Doherty, former uh, lobbyist. Um, they're all basically saying, similar to the Rod Blagojevich defense, that they're being charged with a crime when all they were really doing was legal lobbying. There was no attempt to bribe people. The U.S. Attorney's Office response was quite interesting. Uh, it talked about kind of the stream of benefits that accrued to both public official A, that is Mike Madigan, as well as the accused uh, in, in the case. And basically saying that jobs and uh, contracts and other benefits accrued to them, as well as legislation that uh, saved Commonwealth Edison or, or allowed them to charge hundreds of millions of dollars more because of some technical changes that were made to uh, regulation in 2013. So it, it's a very interesting tit for tat. One thing that struck me about it is the focus on Mike Madigan. We've all always known, even though Madigan says he has done nothing wrong and he has not been charged, we've always known that Madigan has the target on his back uh, by the feds. And this filing uh, makes clear in ways that we haven't previously seen 
just how much the Fed seem to believe they have uh, with regard to what would appear to be a concerted effort to manipulate legislation and regulation in the, to the benefit of Commonwealth Edison at the behest of Mike Madigan in return for jobs and favors for his political cronies. You know, I've heard a lot of people say, well, if they had something on Madigan, they would have indicted him by now. But that's just not how these investigations work. They're very methodical. They move very slowly, but they do piece by piece by piece work their way uh, up the ladder. And so, yeah, you're you're correct. We clearly have not heard uh, the last of this yet. You also have to marvel at the number of people who continue uh, to believe that uh, old school style horse trading uh, is, you know, is okay when we've seen over and over again that that's just not how the feds view it anymore and uh, and these will th- these things will come back to bite you inevitably you just wonder how how much it will take for people to finally understand that there's got to be a new way of of doing business doing the people's business here in Illinois well you, one would hope so Jim uh, but of course we both re- look back on the legislative session where the ethics reform bill that was passed, was really a sad excuse for reform, despite a lot of hot rhetoric from the governor and legislative leaders leading into the session, really very little got done. And so, yes, we, uh, as people who believe in good government, would like to see a sea change in both the culture and the law as regards ethics in the state of Illinois. But unfortunately, our leaders have left us down so far, and um, we'll see what happens probably in the 2022 legislative session, whether anything uh, more substantive happens there. David, before we let you go, we want to direct people to the Better Government Association website. Among the things you'll find there is a periodic feature called What the Gov, answering people's questions about how government works and about uh, issues and concerns they have. Uh, And the question this week is really a follow-up to a recent investigation the BGA was involved in, looking into that hacking attack on the Illinois Attorney General's office and how it's impacting the office's operations. Tell us about it. Yes, absolutely. The the uh, AG's computer systems still are down with no uh, no sign yet of when they'll be back up. And we uh, got information from a, uh, somebody who wrote asking, when in the world and how can I ever file a complaint, a consumer complaint with the AG's office? And basically, you have to do it the old-fashioned way now. You have to fill out a form and mail it because they can't uh, handle the computerized systems, really can't handle uh, the regular functioning of the office just yet. And we don't have a date yet from the AG's office. And so this ransomware attack that hit them very hard uh, is still having repercussions months later. It is uh, stunning uh, to to realize again how in the 21st century how uh, a major governmental office and the attorney general's office is hugely important. I worked there many, many years ago, but they are involved in literally every aspect of state government and making sure that um, uh, the the laws are followed, et cetera, and how that office can be uh, crippled by this kind of an attack. Uh, It is, again, just kind of stunning to realize, and it uh, would hopefully be a wake-up call call at all levels of government, uh, whether it will be or not, of course, remains to be seen. David mm-hmm. Greising of the Better Government Association, we are sadly out of time for today, but tell people how to reach you and the BGA the rest of the week. Absolutely. I'm at Pete Greising at bettergov.org. That's D-G-R-E-I-S-I-N-G at bettergov.org. And our website is bettergov.org. And of course, here each Wednesday morning, it's full disclosure on the WMAY morning news feed. David, thank you so much. We'll talk next week. Thanks, Jim. Look forward to it.